Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker and listen with a sparkle in your eye, as though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Live from Hollywood, California, this is So I Married a Movie Geek. Well, hello everybody out there in internet land. We are Christy McQueen and Justin Winters of So I Married a Movie Geek, here for a very special edition for our 14th episode. Justin, would you like to unveil what we just saw? Uh, well, Chrissy just watched for the first time Inception. Inception! And I saw it for the second time. I'm jealous that you've already seen it now twice. I know. It's pretty awesome, you guys. Well, I tried to take Chrissy earlier this week when I saw it um, on Monday, but I couldn't get an extra ticket, so... It's true. Justin is special, and they couldn't allow we plebeians in to the screening, so sadness. He got to see it all by himself. But I didn't spoil it for you. Aren't you glad? I am very glad you didn't spoil it for me. That being said, it must have been a lonely couple of days for you. I know. I I was a mess, pretty much, for the... Five days or whatever that was. Was it really five days? Well, because I really wanted to talk about it. And I couldn't talk about it with you. And I didn't know anyone that had seen it. So I couldn't talk about it with them. So I just, uh, you know, read stuff on the internet and was a complete and utter geek about it. So I think that we we should go into Inception without giving away spoilers to start. And then maybe later on we'll warn you guys that we'll reveal a couple. Okay. Well, okay. would you like to go off and say, you know, your spill on how you liked it as a movie? Yes. Yeah. As as a whole. Uh, yeah, I'm getting there. Uh, first of all, let's just say that um, Inception's two hours and forty minutes, but it flies. I told you. Flies, kids. I remember looking at my phone when I got out of the movie, and I was like, "It's nine forty. Are you serious?" It went so so fast, and credit goes to Christopher Nolan. And his direction of that story because it piles layers upon layers upon layers and yet you don't feel heavy. You don't feel like you are being weighed down by all of these layers. Instead, it just adds an interesting aspect to what you already know and it takes you on an even faster ride than you were on before. So overall, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Okay, so would you say... Um, in the pantheon of Leonardo, first of all, we should say that Chrissy is like a ginormous Leo (laughs) fan. Oh, we're going to get into that. I'm already getting, um, okay, I'm getting like a little schoolgirl right now, just the mere mention of his name. This is going to sound ridiculously fangirl, and yet I can't help myself. So, preface aside, it is so weird how I feel like I know Leonardo DiCaprio so well through his movies because I've never met him. But I see him make certain expressions or I see it when he clenched, he does this in certain movies where he clenches his jaw in such a way I know where his freaking tendons and his cheek move when he does it. And I'm like, I know that look. Like, I know that look. I know that face. I know what he's thinking. And I've never met the guy. You're like a stalker. It sounds so creepy. (laughs) I've never met him, but I have been in the same room. <laughs> I know how creepy it sounds, you guys. I know his jawline. I do. That is really scary. And his eyes, like I know I know his every little nuance. I know his mannerisms so well. 
I, I know them so well because I saw Titanic 14 times in the theater, y'all. 14. Count them. Yeah. 14. She has a very scary thing with Titanic that <laughs> wasn't really explained off the bat when we first started dating. And it was kind of morseled out um, as we went along well, how, how crazy she really was about Titanic. Well, who comes out with that potato sack after, after a first date? What potato sack, Chrissy? Nothing. No one. There's no potato sack. I just really like Titanic and Romeo and Juliet and pretty much every movie he's ever been in with the exception of like Celebrity with Woody Allen. Sorry, Woody Allen. You yeah, failed. It's, it's, it's always good when you're having, you know, dinner with one of your best friends. Oh boy. And your girlfriend at the time, you've been dating for like a year or whatever. And we start talking about Chrissy's love for Titanic and she drops this bomb that she used to have like a shrine. I didn't have a shrine. To Titanic. It was not a shrine. She would celebrate its greatness every night by no, Okay. <laughs> you are you are horribly exaggerating this. First of all, there was no shrine. Second of all, it was not every night. It was only on April 14th. But you had like a Titanic box with like memories and then you would What what happened? I was 14. I was 14, okay? 14. Yes, I am one of those girls that made it stay number one for 16 weeks in a row. Okay, all right. Well, that, So, in terms of the pantheon of Leo movies, <laughs> yeah, where, back to after that. one time of seeing Inception, where would you rate it? Uh, top five for sure. Top five for sure. Possibly top, ooh, top, th- top four, probably, and I don't know about top three. Here's the thing. I, I don't know any that I would like better than this one that when I think His about it. His performance in Shutter Island was pretty fantastic. I'm not talking about the movie overall. I'm talking strictly about Leonardo DiCaprio's performance. We were talking about that. We were talking about movie overall. Well, no, you, no, we weren't because we were talking about the Leonardo DiCaprio pantheon. No, I said of Leo movies, which one was your favorite? I didn't say of Leo performances. Oh, well, then he's still. this is still top five fodder for me. Okay. Great, but okay. still top five. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Nothing is ever going to knock Romeo and Juliet or Titanic out of that spot for me. It's just not. It's just not. Nothing's, there is nothing he could do. Nothing? I mean, I'll, I'll love it. I will love it. But when something holds a special place in your heart, it's like a first love. You can't just replace your first love. You might end up loving other things or people more, but are we you still can't talking about that. Are you still talking about the movie or your creep, creepy stalker <sighs> obsession with Leo? No, we're talking about his canon of movies. Like, I, the Romeo and, Romeo and Juliet was my first love, and then Titanic was right up there, too. It was, like, right around the same time, 96, 97. Nothing can really knock that out of the way. It can come close. I can still love it, but it's a different kind of love. I love Inception. It's a different kind of love. It's an adult, mature love. Maybe it's no ordinary love, like Sade said. Yes. This is no... No. Okay. Yeah, no, go ahead. Keep singing. No. <laughs> you don't want me to sing every single Sade song because I know all the words. Do you really? No. Sweet love. <laughs> Alright, so... Okay, sorry. What, so, so what else? Um, okay, so if you were to explain Inception to someone who hasn't seen the movie without spoiling the movie, how would you explain it? It's hard to do without spoiling the movie, to be honest with you, because it... it Certain plot twists are intrinsic to its explanation overall, but I'll try. Okay. Uh, hey, person who hasn't seen Inception, this movie is about dreams and about 
stealing people's dreams and about planting ideas inside people's heads when they don't realize that you're planting people's plans, ideas in their heads. You should really go see it. It would probably be something like that. Wow. Yeah. This is why I don't write little metadata blurbs. This is why I didn't get hired for that. You really sold it. I did, didn't I? Well, you know, I like it because it's like the ultimate heist film, obviously. And I love heist films. I guess it is a heist film. But didn't you say that Christopher Nolan took 10 years to work on this? Yeah, that's what he said. There was a Q&A after the screening on Monday, and he was there. And he looks... Okay, if, you, if you've never seen him, he's, he's a British gentleman. He looks eerily like Leonardo DiCaprio in Inception. He's got the, he had the same like slick back hair, and he always... Every time I see him, he wears a nice suit. Oh, no. He's neatly dressed. Oh, no. He's... What? Somebody who looks like Leonardo DiCaprio but has a British accent to boot. I'm all about it. Why are you using a British accent right now? Because I'm really excited. Okay. So yeah, he, he um, someone asked about that and he said that he had been working in the script for 10 years where it was a situation where he would write a little bit, put it in a drawer, come, you know, he would work on another movie, come back, work on a little bit more, put it back in, you know, and he kept coming back and forth to work on it and that's how he did it over 10 years. So. That's that's an insane way to work, I got to tell you. But I feel like I mean, he must have had either some serious help in that other people were writing with him or you know kind of coming up with the ideas or he is in need of serious therapy because there were just moments where I thought god I wish I had the script in my hand so I could read and follow along and it wasn't because it was over my head the material doesn't necessarily go over the audience's head if you have an IQ above 110 it's just one of those things where you're like Whoa, 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 I want to catch all of the subtleties, all of the fine details that are in this, because there are many. And I feel like because there's so much going on, I must be missing something. I get it, but I must be missing something. And I really wish I had the script. It's like a book where you read the book and then you see the movie, you go, oh, the book was better. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's kind of like that because in the book, you, you catch all the details that sometimes filmmakers throw out. Got it. And, and... That's not to say that I'm sure he didn't include everything but the kitchen sink uh, in the actual final finished product that we see on screen. It, it felt that way, for sure. Uh, it's just my own stupidity. You know, I was not being able to pick up on it all. Another thing that was weird in the Q&A was that he insinuated that he doesn't really outline his scripts, and he just writes them from beginning to end. And I thought about it, and I, and I definitely wanted to ask this question. I was like, how in the hell did you do that with this movie? Because there's so many layers to the movie, right. especially the last half of the movie. Yeah, it's a freight which, train. Which it's, I mean, you're going back and forth, like different levels of dreams and all this stuff. I mean, you're like, how did he keep everything straight? You know, I got to be honest with you. I write, and granted, I'm no, not Christopher Nolan, and I don't write full feature-length scripts that are amazing and Oscar-worthy. But they are pretty good. No, come on. That <laughs> Don't want to, you know. Do you have a speech impediment? What's going on? No. That aside, mm -hmm. uh, I hate drafts. I hate outlines, and I've never done them. My whole life, including my college career, where it was constant, like, you have to write a draft and have it pre-approved, or you have to write an outline for whatever creative thing I was doing, I'd be like, Screw this. And yeah, but this was for it. like a 200, over 200 page long script. Well, oh, I understand. 
Are you comparing it to like your 10 page essay or yes. something? No, obviously not. Come on. I'm just saying that. You're just, it, you're just comparing yourself to Christopher Nolan. You're like, no, neither of us really no. like to outline. So. I'm not saying, I'm saying, the point I'm trying to illustrate, apparently very badly, okay. is that it is possible. You should have outlined this, this point that you're making. Oh, hell. If only somebody would stop interrupting me. It is possible to make coherent and cohesive finished product without necessarily having outlined it all from the get-go. That's what I'm trying to say. Whether you're writing a page or 200. So, you, okay, so your point was, it's you don't possible. Need to have an outline. Obviously, evidently. That, that, that's your point? That's it? Yeah, because you seem astonished that he did it without an outline, and I'm saying why you shouldn't well, be so astonished. Well, this isn't, this isn't like grown-ups with Adam Sandler and Chris Rock where they just go to the lake and it's not. pretty much turn on the cameras, and that's the movie. There's very little plot, you know. The dialogue is largely improvised. This is not that movie. This is a dense, oh. dense, like, 20-layer cake of a movie. Mmm, cake. And like I said, in the second half of the movie... Okay, let's let's explain pretty much what's going on in the All right, movie. Alright, should we, should we spoil alert everyone now? No, let's just say... I mean, we could talk about what's going on in the first 15 minutes of the movie. Basically, in the movie, Leonardo DiCaprio plays this guy named Dom Cobb. Not Dom, isn't it Tom? No, it's Dom. Really? Wow, okay. I thought they were just hitting their T's a little hard. I was like, wow, Ellen Page, get it together. His name is Tom. So that doesn't really bode well for you saying that you were paying attention to the rest of the movie when you got the the name of the main character hey. wrong. Hey, why do you think when you're on the phone to somebody in India you have to say B as in boy when you're trying to say, you know, like, I would like to have but there, but a box? Several different people called him by his name, Chris. Right, and I thought they just hit their T's a little hard. Yeah. That was one of the things when I first watched it on Monday, I was it kind of drew me out of the movie because I was like, Dom Cobb? What kind of name is that? That makes me think of corn on the cob. <laughs> like, no. Hey, Dom Cobb. Hey, Dom Cobb. I also feel like it's you should weird... say that name with a speech impediment it's as well. It's just a weird name. But, it is okay. So he plays Dom Cobb, who his uh, main profession is that he's an extractor of dreams. He can go into people's dreams through this apparatus, which, by the way, they never explain yeah. really how the apparatus works, which is great because, you I mean, whatever. It could be anything. It could be anything. It could take forever to explain it. But through this apparatus, he goes into people's dreams and he can, you know, just like going into bank vault, he can steal ideas from them. It's not necessarily even a stealing of ideas. It's a way of finding out secrets, a way of kind of committing subconscious espionage. And it's kind of alluded to the fact that when he first started doing this, he was, it was more of a like a research type of thing because later in the movie, someone brings it up that he's stealing and that's not what it's for. Remember Michael Caine did that? Yes, so. yes, yes. Well, it also started out, uh, we learned that he was really kind of doing this with his wife quite a bit and they were creating, you know, their own world and different layers of their world and you kind of get early on that something goes terribly awry. You don't know what, but you know that something goes terribly awry and it has scarred Dom Cobb. So I was very interested in the fact that, that A, there's no um, beginning credits to the movie. Oh yeah, you're right. Which I don't think there was any on... Um, Christopher, uh, Christopher Nolan also did The Dark Knight, Batman Begins, um, he did uh, Memento, and mm -hmm. Insomnia. Two movies... 
I don't think you you never saw Batman Begins, did you? I did not. Anyway, he's a very good filmmaker. Obviously, he's he's um, at the top of his craft here. I think it's his best movie. Um, but what were we talking about? <laughs> I'm sorry. Opening credits and the lack thereof. Oh yeah, I don't think he had any in front of the Dark Knight either. Well, no, but it's such a long movie, so he pretty much plunges you right into the movie from the start. Oh yes, yeah, and the Dark Knight they had that whole beginning with the bank robbery. Chrissy was kind of. Yeah, but they didn't have any beginning credits. Right, I know. They just plunge right in. Okay. But in this movie... Um, what are you going to say about me? I, I, I thought, because you, you started laughing at the beginning of the movie, because you heard the, the score started before oh, the first yeah. image. And Chrissy thought it was the Shutter Island score <laughs> where... Dom, 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 dom. And all they really did was like go through the gates at Shutter Island. Remember that? And they were just like, hey, we're driving in. It's a beautiful day. There's kind of some crazy people picking flowers and looking at the car. But, you know, you thought something... I thought a freaking meteor was going to fall from the sky the way the music was going in that movie. I was like... Marty Scorsese, what are you doing to me? But by, by the way, Shutter Island and uh, this movie Inception would make a great double feature. I concur. Has lots of similar ideas and themes going on. Yeah. Uh, prominently, the fact that throughout the movie you don't exactly you're not on firm ground narratively. You're like, okay, some not everything's go. You know, N- not everything is as it with, seems. With Leo at the center, so um, it's a gl- hey, I'm a happy girl. And you know what's funny? It, it, I thought similarly the way you just said that when I was watching this piece. I went, Leo was in a specific mood when he chose those scripts, wasn't he? He was just like in a mood that lasted for a while. Both movies um, have a um, uh, strange memories type subplot with his wife in both movies. So Yeah, and there were kind of allusions to that. I thought of Michelle Williams and Shutter Island several times when, in watching... Marianne Cotillard, which, by the way, can we talk about her for one moment? She's great. Here's the thing about Marianne Cotillard. I'm going to get hate mail for this. I think she's overrated. What have you seen her in other than Inception, Chrissy? Public Enemies. Okay, you saw her in Public Enemies. And I've seen her in various other smaller things that I can't... like. Did you see Love and Rose with me? I did not see Lovey and Rose with you. Oh, we'll have to make you watch that. She's really good in that. Okay, cool. I liked her in Public Enemies too. It's not that. Here's the thing. You're 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 mistaking my uh, label of her being overrated as me not liking her. I know what this is. What? You just don't like that she plays, you know, the romantic counterpart to Leo in a movie. That's not true. I love Claire Danes and Kate Winslet. Okay, so what did you uh, like about Cotillard in Inception? You know what it is. It, <sighs> hmm. She always without, has... Without spoiling. Oh, I'm anything. not. No, it, it's this is just about her intrinsic thing. Uh, oh, and I saw her in um, the musical, Rob Marshall musical. What, what did we see? Nine. And I saw her in Nine. Um, she was great in Nine. Here's the thing. I think that she emotes very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, she obviously pulls from deep places for each character that she does. However, I feel... On two levels. One, that each character she does is a is like a different shade of the same character. And second of all, her accent really trips me up. Because I know she's French. Everybody knows she's French. Yet she does movies where it's not ever purported that she is, you know, French or European. And now she's emigrated to America and living, you know, an American life or something. Like, she's supposed to be American in all of these different movies. She's not supposed to be American in this. She's Michael Caine's daughter. Okay, then shouldn't she have a British accent? 
so. not like a weird muddled French and a couple accent. Of the, in a couple of the scenes in this, she kind of sounded like Penelope Cruz for, yeah. to me. And that bothered me about Penelope Cruz in a lot of movies too, which is why nowadays, if you notice, in almost every movie Penelope Cruz does, they make her some shade of Spanish American. They don't just make her American. Which is what a mistake that they do in Marion Cotillard because I'm taken out of the experience every time with her. Every single time I see her in a movie, I'm like, and she's French and doing a really bad American accent. And so that bugs me. I like her a lot as a person and I like her emotion. I, just if we could fix her talking. Oh, that wasn't as big a problem as, but it does tie into, I told you about my main problem with the movie after I saw it on Monday was... That some of the score, although the score is really great, mm -hmm. it's so loud that it kind of muddles up some of her lines and Ken Watanabe's lines, uh, the guy that plays Sato in you know, the movie. I, I, it's like, boom, boom, and you're like, oh no, it, just lower the level a little bit, just well, a little bit. I was ready for that based on what you told me uh, mm -hmm. prior to our viewing tonight, but I didn't get that, to be honest with you. Really? No, I didn't get it you at all. You understood everything that Ken Watanabe said in this movie? If I, if I didn't understand everything he said, then it was more due to accent or subtlety, not because the music was drowning him out. I definitely heard... I it was both. It kind of contributed. Could have been. Yeah. But as far as Mariana's concerned, I, I heard everything she said. Okay. So at the beginning of this movie, Leo, uh, Dom Cobb... Dom Cobb. Dom Cobb. <laughs> you can't be... say it without a speech impediment. It's I, impossible. I guess Tom Cobb? It definitely wasn't Tom Cobb. How do you I know? I can't believe that you oh, God, thought I it really, was. I really hope it's Tom Cobb right now so that afterward we can look it up and then you're like, what? It was Tom this whole time? 100% it wasn't Tom. Oh, do you know this because you uh, read was, it? No, but I was trying to think of other, like, could it be... Short for Dominic, I assume. No, could he, could he have been named another Don Cobb? No, he's not a Don. No, he's not Don. Although, it's funny, the very, very first time somebody says his name, I was like, they named him Don? He doesn't look like a Don to me. And then uh, the second time, I thought, oh, I misheard it. It's Tom. Um, doesn't matter. This is so neither here nor there. So at the beginning of the movie, he, Leo, as Don Cobb, he is um, working with... He's on a mission. A, he's on a mission. Dun-dun-dun. And things kind of go badly. As, like I said, the, you know from the get-go that things go awry. Uh, and it's funny, though, because there are already, just from in the first 15 minutes, you're presented with about four different layers. <laughs> yeah, you kind of, you're like, whoa, what's going on? And by the way, don't, if you haven't seen this movie, don't go see this movie after you've drank like six beers oh, or, that would be such or a anything. Because number one, it's two hours and 42 minutes long. Number two, you have to be paying attention to this movie. It's not like one that you could go to the bathroom. You do not want to go to the for bathroom. For 10 minutes and come back. You'll be like, what is going on? Wear a diaper. Wear a diaper. Pull uh, whatever her name was that went across the country in a diaper. Oops, I crap my pants. Oops, I yes. The NASA chick. Pull, yes, pull a NASA chick. Oops, I crap my pants and wear some Depends because you, you're not getting up. Uh -uh. But, but it's definitely one of those movies where you have to it, you have to be attentive and on yes. point because absolutely um, the first half of the movie there's a lot of exposition which I've heard which I've read on some reviews that is a criticism by people there's like no. it's, there's too much exposition it's too it's too complicated it's too complex and I'm like what well no but there's a lot of like there's been a lot of crappy movies this year yeah and you're gonna you know. That's your one criticism? It's too complicated for you? And that's a stupid criticism to make because the exposition is what makes the rest of the pieces fit together. If you weren't given that amount of exposition, 
like so much of it in my opinion would not make any sense to you uh, as we delve further and further into the plot and into the subtleties and intricacies because there are so many if I had not been explained the concept by the characters and kind of walked through it Mm -hmm. then I would not have been able to enjoy or understand the rest of the film nearly as well as I did so that exposition is incredibly important so after they the first, this this job at the beginning of the movie goes badly, mm-hmm. they are forced to um, pretty much do another job for the main character who's Sato. 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 Played by Ken Watanabe. My name is Sato. Sato. Orikato Sato. Um, but instead of uh, going into a person's uh, consciousness and extracting something, they're having to do Inception. What is Inception, Christine? Inception is, instead of taking something out, let's put something in. We don't want to steal any memories. We don't want to know, necessarily learn any secrets, but we want to plant the seed of an idea so it can germinate and make its subject think that they are having the idea themselves upon awakening. Okay. And to do this... That was they, a good explanation, that, me. That is good. Hey, thanks. And, <laughs> and apparently this is so difficult that the only way they can do this is they have to go into several la- layers of dreams so a dream within a dream within a dream right and each person much like in oceans 11 has their own role to play so uh leo's kind of like the main point let's talk let's talk about the team that eventually ends up doing the main heist which takes the second half i'm I'm going to uh give allusions to oceans 11 because i feel like that's a movie that everybody's seen and everyone's kind of familiar with and that everyone has a different job to do and how to compare it there's i'm not there's not 11 people so it's gonna be kind of weird no i just said i'd make allusions Illusions. Illusions. Catch up. I'm going to make illusions, people. Come on, catch up, Justin. All right, go ahead. Okay, so Leonardo DiCaprio would be kind of like the George Clooney character in this. He's the main point guy. He kind of has... Dumb cop. Dumb, dumb cop. He, and he's got the, you know, the main pieces of the puzzle. Um, and his right-hand man is played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Plays Arthur. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who would be kind of like the Brad Pitt of this. And keeps Leo's character in check a lot. And assists him in his shortcomings. Because he has a few. Leo. He's, he's kind of the... Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays kind of like the logistics guy, you know? He's kind of the logistics guy. and Research. Um, and his research comes to play later on in the movie that he kind of slipped up on some things. But yes. I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I'm going to say that now. He's pretty I'm a, good. I'm a huge... He, he does very well in this movie. And I've been a huge fan of his since Third Rock from the Sun. How so. far he has come from Third Rock from the Sun, too, by the way. Did you watch Third Rock? I did watch Third Rock, and I enjoyed him. Uh, but I kind of thought once that was over that maybe he would be over, too. Sorry. Mm-hmm. But he obviously wasn't and has grown and done great things. You know what? He, was, he, did, he had 500 Days of Summer. Which, which was he, great. Which was great. I loved him in that. Did you see The Lookout with me? The one where he played um, the guy that had the uh, short-term memory disorder? I don't think no? so. Okay. Maybe I did. It doesn't sound familiar. Also a very good movie. But, yeah, in this movie, he's really, really sharp and really good. Like, yeah. he's, got, he's got probably what is, um, what's within the, the second half of the movie with the long heist. But his part in that involves this 3G, you know, zero-gravity extravaganza that he has to go through. Right. And it was great. Awesome. I loved it. Yay! What did you think about that? His whole thing that he had to do with zero gravity. Well, it was interesting because he alluded, haha, that word again, before um, they he had that situation where he was in zero gravity. 
Uh, by the way, I feel like before we should get into this, we should tell our audience just so they know. Mm-hmm. When you're asleep in the dream, the one of the only ways to uh, – there are a couple ways, but one of the main ways to be awoken from your dream or awakened, I should say, is to be kicked. And, they call uh, it the kick. They call it the kick because – Although you could be in a deep sleep where you know you're being shaken or slapped around, you might n- not necessarily wake up. However, a fear or a, a feeling of falling will always wake you up because it's a middle ear balance. It has nothing to do with uh, your conscious subconscious psyche, all that sort of stuff. It's just your middle ear. So they'll, you know, if you're in a chair, they'll kick your chair to make you fall down, and that's what will jolt you awake. Yeah, so, that feeling of right when you're like tipping over and falling. Right. So Joseph uh, Gordon-Levitt says at one point, well, you know, you got to have gravity for that. And he makes that comment and nobody really talks about it. And then sure enough, in the context of the heist, there's a part where he's going to have to give them the kick, quote unquote. And uh, because of what various circumstances, they lose gravity in the dream and everybody's asleep but him. And he's like, how do I wake these people up? How do I make them feel like they're falling without gravity? That was great. So he had to get really, really creative. <laughs> so um, also in the Q&A on Monday, uh, Christopher Nolan, the director, pretty much did a love fest on Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, they love the guy. Um, the Q&A was with um, Christopher Nolan and Christopher Nolan's wife, who is also a producer on the film. Oh, I, I think they're that. like a, a good wife-husband team. Let's go make a movie, Justin. And another co-producer. But um, <laughs> they pretty much said Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like, we love him. Oh, my gosh. I bet you – I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past you that he'd be in another movie of Christopher Nolan's um, pretty soon. Maybe so. he'll be to Christopher maybe, Nolan, maybe who the, Leo the, is to Scorsese. The next Batman. He could be in the next Batman doing there you something. There But um, they explained the whole zero gravity thing took like three weeks to film with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Wow. And they explained it saying that just like one hour being, because they had to, you know, wires and all of that stuff, and they they actually built a stage that would, it looks like a, the hallway of this hotel, but the actual stage rotates. I was wondering about that. I was sitting... Kind of like uh, Lionel Richie dancing on the ceiling. <laughs> I don't think, it, yeah, I don't think they have that, but... um. But yeah, so they were talking about how a lot of times how long he had to be like upside down, and you know if you hang upside down, how your head feels like it's going to explode. Right, because it fills with blood. Well, they pretty much said that like if we would have had anyone but Joseph Joseph Gordon Levitt, it probably wouldn't have worked because he was like so cool about it. There was no he didn't complain. Wasn't a diva. Wasn't a diva, and I was like, that's awesome. That makes me love him more. That does make me like him even more. He always seemed like a cool guy, but that. That but, makes him even cooler. But yeah, when you when you watch the movie, you're like, "How did they do this?" But, and yeah, I thought that. The, so instead it. of doing like stupid CGI stuff, they actually did practical effects and rolled the actual hall. And I have to say, when you're watching it, it doesn't feel at all CGI. So I think that's why I even sat back in my chair and went, "Huh, how did they do that?" Because I didn't think, "Oh, well, of course it's computer." Like it didn't seem that way. So, uh, kudos to so, all of them. Just because I, I just thought of this, did, yes. you, did any other movies come to mind when you were watching this movie? Like, oh, this kind of reminds me of, not totally, but in the same vein. Well, with the whole... The, the Matrix comes up, I obviously. was just going to say, The Matrix. It's not, it, it's not the same movie, but it's got, you know... Stole my thunder, Justin. Yeah, I was just going to say, well, The Matrix. Well, that's an obvious <laughs> one. But the less obvious ones I, I thought of, like, there's some parts of this where I was like, this reminds me of Eternal Sunshine. 
of a spotless mind. Oh, I could see that. With the memories and, and you know. Uh, I didn't think of that, but I could see Lost that. Love and stuff like that. I was like, oh, man. I love Eternal Sunshine. So. That's a great movie, too. Um, What else was I thinking of? Um, Did you ever see The Cell with Jennifer Lopez? I didn't, and I I thought of that to. movie, too. Um, oh, wait. Yes, I did. I saw the last half of it. It was on HBO. Obviously not. Not. not a lot of people hate that movie, but right. in the cell with Jennifer Lopez and Vince Vaughn, she um, has to go pretty much in the dreams of a serial killer to find out where he has um, placed this girl that's been right, kidnapped. Right, right. I thought of Minority Report a little bit. Minority Report? Yeah. Okay. And I actually liked Minority Report. I don't think it got quite the fair shake that it deserved. I, a lot of people, for whatever reason, criticized it or didn't like it, and I thought that was a pretty good movie. Not nearly as good as Inception, but still a solid movie. But do you think that anybody else could have played this role other than Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, we're back to Leo now. I thought we were talking about the rest of the team. We are. We're, but I, I do just, I think I'm somebody could have played it? Yeah. Yes, of course. Who? Well, originally, I don't know how serious they were into discussions, but the rumor was that Brad Pitt was interested. Will Smith was interested. Oh, I'm glad Will Smith didn't do it. I love Will Smith, but he's not right for this. I mean, I thought he did. I thought he did a good job. Leo did. He did. Would you say it's his finest performance? Um, finest performance? Yes. I, I, I mean, I told you that it's probably you know definitely def definitely up there in terms of my favorite movies that he's in. Right. I also like um The Departed. Um, what was the other he's one that I like? That. You like Shutter Island? Shutter Island. I like Inception better than Shutter Island. What do you think is his best performance to date? And um, then we'll move on from him. See, I like I like Catch Me If You Can. You're oh, not gonna, he was so good. You're not that. gonna get me to say Titanic. So. I'm not. I know. I'm not. I don't think his best performance was in Titanic. I think, I think he's done a lot of good work. I love work. that movie, but I don't. Think I even that's his I best. loved him in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I thought he was excellent in The Aviator. Aviator. Yeah. The, I'm not talking about the movie. I'm talking about his performance, especially in the end when he has that whole the wave of the future tick. And he's peeing in the jars and stuff. No, at the very end. He did a great job peeing in those jars. When John C. Riley has to take him aside because he's like all twitching out and going, the wave of the future, the wave of the future. Uh-huh. He was excellent. Like, look at those eyes. His eyes are so communicative. I mean, he's without a doubt going to get an Oscar nomination for this. As he should. I Do mean, you think he'll get double, double nominated for this in Shutter Island? Um, that I don't know. Because then he'll split the vote again like he did uh, a couple years ago. Okay. Well, let's, let's go back to the okay, team. Okay, yeah. team. Ellen Page is the next character on our little team, and she's the architect of the whole uh, dream world. She plays Ariadne, um, which is um, very interesting because she, like, she plays the architect, so she has to create the maze or the dream world that they get to go and do this heist in. Yes, and imagine, if you will, uh, in your own dreams that you have in your daily lives, have you ever actually been in the dream and then something happens and you go, something's not quite right? And I don't have any clothes. You, well, like that, sure. <laughs> or I'm falling from the sky. Or I've had it where, like, you know, um, I'm, like, let's say I'm at home and I'm walking down a hallway and then I walk into a room and... It's no longer even the same house. You know, it's a totally different location. And I don't realize it right away, but then something will click in my head a minute or two later. I'll be like, wait a second. Mm -hmm. Oh, this must be a dream because that's not right. Like, that, like it, suddenly my brain catches up and goes, that doesn't add up. Mm -hmm. Her job is to make sure that everything is so spot on. So, right, I mean, right down to, like, the fibers of the carpet mm -hmm. that whoever they are um, kind of playing the trick on, whoever is the subject of the dream, won't realize that they're dreaming. She pretty much represents the 
the audience coming into the movie because she comes in. She's the newest person on the team. Leo's character, Dom Cobb. And has arguably one of the biggest roles. Ellen Page? Yeah. I mean, she's, yeah, she's definitely big. But what did you think about her performance in the movie? I thought she was great. You thought she was great? Yes. Because I hear, I've heard a lot of people rag on her performance, say that she was the weak, weakest link. I disagree. Okay. Uh, I think that she was very good because she balanced a certain naivete about what her job would entail in this little group that she I mean, had she's signed up for. obviously the only female on the team, so. Right. So she balanced a certain amount of naivete and, um, you know, kind of learning her space and her niche within the team with uh, an intelligence and disdain for secrets that she reve- uh, learns and then reveals and, you know, um, makes judgments on certain characters. I, won't, I don't want to say who. It's, it's kind of hard. I know I'm talking in circles, you guys. I just don't no, want to No, I totally understand away. what you're saying. It goes into the, when people say, okay, she wasn't good for the part. I'm like, oh, she was really good because... A, she had to play a college, a believable college student. Yes. So they had to get someone that was, you know, couldn't have been too old. Right. Um, Fresh-faced. Fresh-faced. And not only that, they had to, she had to be a college student that is in, she's in Paris at the beginning of the movie. So she's obviously interested in education and she wants, she's got to be a smart person. yeah. Yeah. So I think that Ellen Page is an actress that's a, a common quality that she exudes, and that's one of the things I like about her. She just seems like she's intelligent, you know? I agree, and and she balanced that well. All Because there were nuances to her character, I think, that um, if you just kind of give her a quick glance oversight that you don't realize, her character had nuance. So I would say she was great in the role. I don't know why uh, she would be criticized for it, to be honest with you. Should we say that we one time we brushed up against her at um, near our favorite comedy club? We should, and we should also note that I had no idea that she was there or who she was because I she never was so small. Anyone. She's literally like five foot tall. Oh, maybe. Well, everyone in Hollywood is really small. You no, know. but she's really small. Oh, I know. But like she's I'm, you know, I'm small. obviously huge, so I see everyone coming. And when I saw her, I was like, "Is that her?" And I had to get like she was so small, I had to get close up to. Right, she is tiny. Mm, the camera adds about ten inches and twenty pounds. <laughs> Seemed like a nice girl. Yeah. So, um, who else on the team? We had uh, Eames, played by Tom Hardy, who I, I don't think you've ever seen in a movie before. Wait, who was he? Um, he was the Forger, the, the, the funny oh, guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I liked him a lot. He's a new actor in your world. Did you like him? He was. He kept reminding me of someone. He kept reminding me of, oh, God, who's the guy from that horrible movie, The Awful Truth? Or the ugly truth, excuse Gerard me. Gerard Butler? He reminded me vaguely of Gerard Butler. Really? Yeah. Oh. I know that sounds weird. No, but I like... Um, I mean, okay. I knew it wasn't him. It just reminded me of him. I like Gerard Butler. I don't like most of his movies. Right. Well, that movie was a hideous, hideous movie that he but, did. But Tom Hardy, I think, is British, and Gerard Butler is Scottish. Oh. Well, there you go. But um, Tom Hardy plays Eames, and he's the forger, which means... He's the guy that you go to if you want someone to impersonate, I guess you impersonate someone he, within the dream. Yeah. Like, uh, let's say, um, we'll draw a little parallel here. Justin, you're the subject of the dream, so you're the one who's having the dream, right? Sweet. Yes. And, um... What's going on? Well, let's just say I need to find out something that only you would tell your mom. Okay. But uh, your mom's not in on the joke. She's not going to be helping me out with this whole dream thing that I'm putting you in. So I need somebody to pose as your mom. 
So I get Kim. I think you should just get you because you do a great impression. <laughs> yeah, it's it's me. I'm the forger. Okay, I'm the forger. Sorry, Kim. And so you'd be just pretending like you're talking yeah, to me. But for whatever reason, and they didn't explain this very say, well. Say if Chrissy was the forger within the dream, we're within one of the dreams, and Chrissy <laughs> thinks that I would only give this piece of information out to my mom. So Chrissy, as the forger within the dream, she has the ability to make me think that she is actually my mom. Yeah, and how this happens, I don't know because. They, the That's way they, another, yeah, they don't really explain I how I wish they happens. did. That kind of bothers me. Sort of like the briefcase. You're just like, there's like a, you know. It's an understood thing. Yeah. And it's but, not it's not like a CGI effect or anything. No, it's not. They just, you know. They you have turn. an actress. But so, if this were a movie, then when you would see, it would be, quote, me really talking to Justin. But I wouldn't look like me. I would look exactly like Justin's mom. And it would actually be played by Justin's mom but in he, the movie. But, but he talks about in the movie, Eames, as a character, says that he had... He has to study the person that he has right, to Right, to get their mannerisms and stuff like that. So, so it's not just like off. he turns into the person and he doesn't have he doesn't have to do anything. No, no, he has yeah. to get the mannerisms right and stuff like that. But and the you know kind of guess the accent because and the intonation of voice. Because that's another thing. If you're in the dream and people start to realize they're actually dreaming, that could totally ruin. That ruins everything. Ruin the plan. Yeah, it doesn't technically ruin it, but, but it, it could. <laughs> so most of the time it does. So okay. So okay. Yeah. So if I were the the forger, I'd be like, "Oh hi, Justin. What is it that you want to tell me?" Well, I don't know. You know, you can tell me anything because I'm your mom and I love you. The password is one, two, three, four. That's not a very five. creative password, <laughs> Justin. I thought I taught you better than that as your mom. I taught you to be more creative with your passwords. That's pretty good. (laughs) And then she turns back and she's like, oh. And then I'm like, I'm really Chrissy and now I have your password. (laughs) Done with the the forging. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Um, (laughs) Oh, gee. um, Who who else do we have in the the cast? um, What's his name? The Indian guy. He was good. He's been in a few things, though. The Indian guy who I mostly know from the movie um, Drag Me to Hell. Was he in Heroes by any chance? No, remember, he was the main, like, uh, psychic guy in Drag Me to Hell. Oh, yeah, he was. I forgot about that. Great Sam Raimi movie. um, And that's, okay, so this is one layer of the movie that they didn't explain, in addition to not explaining how the forger can look like whoever he wants uh, to whoever's in the dream. The concoction? They didn't explain how okay you drink this concoction that's basically like a sedative before you go into the dream i'm talking the initial dream so that way you can stay asleep longer and go deeper into sleep and therefore deeper into the dream great get that no problem i don't really care how your sedative works if you can do that fine Mm -hmm. how is it that now you're dreaming like okay justin i gave you a sedative you're knocked out on the couch right Mm -hmm. and then i join the dream with you in the dream, I give you more of the sedative so then we can go a third layer down in the dream. They didn't explain that because in the dream, I'm not really giving you another sedative because we're dreaming. No, I think he was, he only gave the sedative at the start. No. And then within each dream, they only used the briefcase. No, 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 no. They gave, they, they gave him more. Remember, he, Leo had the dropper uh, and they put a little bit of that stuff on the on the bag that was on Fisher's head in the car. Oh, uh, they did. So yeah. you're saying how did they get the sedative in the dream? But how did they get the briefcase? It's just no, no, no. there's another one. What? Yes, but but I'm also saying that not just how did they get the sedative in the dream, but like how does it work? How does it work? Yeah, how do you administer that Again, and that it continues to work? As you unlayer out, you're like, how does it work 
in real life. Which yeah. is why so many times I was like, why do I, I need the script? I need to read it like a That book. was the problem. I, I admit when I first watched it on Monday, number one, I was in the very front row. So it felt like it was IMAX because the screen was right <laughs> on my face. So it was like I was enveloped in it. And I was like slumping down in my seat. You were seat. in the dream. As it kept going on, I was like, man, this is awesome. And I was like melting into the seat. <laughs> it was pretty cool. But well, the first time I watched it, or the first time anyone watches it, I'm sure they're just trying to follow the, the plot points and the story and, and what the characters are saying. And then the second time I came back and I tried, and I started to pick out those points where I'm like, okay. How did this happen? But then you're like, oh, who cares? Right. And that's what I did going on this first time. And that's it's not a problem. Doc, you know, this it's a fan. I understand. Movie, so. That's why. Well, as we established in when we reviewed the Blue Lagoon, <laughs> I have some issues with the suspension of disbelief, and I I kind of have to know how or why it happens. Yeah, you can't do that in this movie. You, you'll right. Have, you'll be suspended for the whole movie. <laughs> Pretty much. No, and I, and even with that though, I went along with it for I would say ninety five percent of it, but just little things like that where I would be like, I'll believe you. Just kind of you know give me a little exposition as to how. Do you want to get? You want me to tell you my favorite? Um, instances where I kind of was watching the movie and I was like, okay, that doesn't work for me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, obviously, you know, within the dream, you you want the dreamer to not know it's a dream. If you're trying to extract the information, uh, eventually commit inception, all that stuff. One of their first dream levels in the movie is in Los Angeles and it's pouring rain. Oh yeah, it's like ridiculously pouring. So I was like, if I was the guy and they were trying to extract or incept or whatever, I would be, why is it pouring rain in LA? That would be the first thing I, I, I would be like, okay, something's not right. It's pouring rain in, like pouring rain in Los Angeles. It barely ever does this. And it does it throughout pretty much the whole, you know, that layer rest of the, of the dream. Yeah. Well, I thought, did to be honest with you... Did you not think anything about that? No, I did. I thought they weren't trying to make it be L.A. I thought they were just trying to make it be a city. I, In fact, I thought, are they trying to make this seem like New York? Because I know that they're on, like, Hope and Grand. No, but it, <laughs> no, but it actually, you, you saw that it was Wilshire Boulevard. They even showed the street sign, Wilshire Boulevard. Not, no, they only did that when uh, it was, you know, before they actually went into the dream, and they were all just standing there on the street and talking Okay, maybe about it's just it. that I know the landmarks of Los Angeles. Exactly, and so, and, and I realized that, too, because when they first got, they didn't, they actually didn't show very much, and there were taxis going everywhere, and there aren't taxis that okay. drive everywhere in L.A. Maybe and I just that's a very read, New York Maybe thing. I just read into it too much you did because I, I'm telling you when I first saw that I was like oh well I guess it's New York because hence why the taxis and that guy could hail a taxi on the on the side of the, that never happens in Los Angeles nobody hails a taxi out here even though you're from Los Angeles and you should know what the city looks like I'm oh sure. no I did I knew obviously I knew it was LA I mean, but it was I pretty much the, yeah, it they was were trying there, to make it New York the same area that they filmed Transformers down there and tore it up and stuff I it mean, was they, it they, was near they, the music center a, they literally had a train go through no, I know. down Wilshire Boulevard or they, they did it near the music center um, downtown near uh, Hope and Grand and all of those streets um, near like First Street and then they had uh, portions on Wilshire Boulevard. And you even saw, like, little city signs that says, like, going into, you know, Mid-City East or Historic Core or whatever. But they, they didn't, you know, settle on them. You're not looking at the signs. But if you're from L.A. or you're familiar with the area, you see them in the background and you know they're there. But I think they were, weren't trying to make it specifically L.A. They, I really don't. I think they were either trying to go for New York or just a big city. Okay. All right. But how did – okay, let's talk about when you – when the movie was over, mm -hmm. how did you feel? Because I felt 
I got up and I was like, am I dreaming now? Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's one of the things that pretty much everyone, when they walk out of the movie, think. Well, um, it's it's a simultaneous, you're, you're th- feeling that and then you're also having residual emotions over the very end, the mm-hmm. very last ten seconds of the movie, which I'm not going to give away, but that you're like, but, eh, ah! Okay, are we, uh, ra- are we, so what else did you like yeah. within the movie? What were some of your favorite scenes, parts, you know? I would say that one of my um, favorite scenes would have to be when uh, Leo takes Ellen Page on this elevator ride. Um, she has He's dreaming. She sees him sitting and dreaming, and it's real life. And she goes, I want to go and join him and find out what he's doing. So she goes and attaches herself to the same little machine that he's running from and, you know, joins his dream. A shared dream. A shared dream. Um, and she gains some insight into his psyche and also what happened with his wife, uh, Miran Cotillard. Mm-hmm. And you quickly discover that, and I don't think I'm giving away too much by saying this. That That's one of the parts that made me think of Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. You quickly discover that it's not that Leo is dreaming this up. Well, he is dreaming about it, but he's just reliving actual memories, things that happened. Which you're not supposed to do if you're an architect in the dream world. They explain this several times. Yeah. You're not supposed to recreate actual memories. Because it messes everything up. Because it messes everything up. You're supposed to, you know, just improvise and... Right, and start from scratch. Yeah. And, uh, well, but it seems like his wife is haunting him into every dream he does, even when it's a job. And so uh, it was kind of important to find out why and whether or not there was something he could do to prevent that from happening in the future. And Ellen is kind of, you know, she's run over by a truck by it all. She, you know, goes on with him in this dream, or memory, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's all done in the context, and this was very creative, and I think this is why I liked it so much, of starting out on an elevator. And, like, he would press different floor numbers, and they would get off on the floor, and they'd be in a different memory from uh, he and his wife's past. And obviously, Ellen Page wants to know what's in the basement. And don't we all want to know what's in the basement? Because something is obviously haunting him. And you know, he, what's in everyone's basement? And he won't let her press it, but he keeps saying, there's something you need to know about me, mm-hmm. about Inception. And mm-hmm. then the very first time he said that... Mm-hmm. He didn't finish the sentence, and then they started, like, he got, they got off the elevator and started talking, and I actually checked myself, and I went, Did you did check he... yourself before you wrecked yourself? Yes. Uh, I did. <laughs> I checked myself, and I thought, did he finish that sentence, and I just missed it? Because uh-huh. he did say, there's something you need to know about me about Inception, right? He did say that, didn't he? It wasn't just, like, a fragment that he let walked off and know they're acting like it never happened, did it? Yeah. And, but then I got, you know, enveloped in the scene that was happening, and I went, oh, okay, whatever. And then he said it a second time later on, and my bell went off in my head where I went, deja vu. Yeah, that means it's important. Yeah, and he didn't, and he didn't say it again. again he didn't finish his sentence, and I went, oh, this means something. There's a lot of instances that in that, yeah. uh, in the script, where, obviously, Christopher Nolan as a writer, he, like, he would say, he would have a character say something, and he'd either have a different character say the same thing, or they have the same character say it again, and you're like, okay, double underline. That's yes. really important. And not only that, but credit goes to the actors for saying it with such uh, a subtle intonation in their voices towards the end when it all started to unravel and you really started to learn about the whole nine yards of it all. I heard one of the characters say something that had been repeated 
two or three maybe even times before, yet I didn't right, automatically go, oh, this is a repeat of when so-and-so said this earlier. Instead, I just had that horrible, creepy deja vu feeling where, and I couldn't say this because we were in the middle of a dark theater, but I wanted to turn to you and be like, stop. Did, did they say this at some point earlier in the movie? Or did I hear this in like my life or in daily life? Because I'm having a really creepy moment where I feel like I'm in there in this dream or I'm dreaming or something because I know I've heard that. Oh my God, I've heard that. Oh my gosh, I'm dreaming about being at the movies watching Inception while they're dreaming on the screen. Yes! Oh my God. Yes! I had that moment towards the end and I was like, please tell me that they gave that speech or that line earlier in the movie and that's where I know it from because I'm like, I heard this. Where did I hear this from? I'm having a deja vu moment. You know what's going to happen tonight? You're going to dream oh, no. that you're at the theater again watching Inception <laughs> while they're in like three levels within the dream. No. And then the world is going to explode. Oh no. Because it's too complex. Do I, do I get to at least have some time with Leo? Is that what you're, what you're, so if you were an architect, <laughs> what, yeah. you know, what, what world would you build if we had to, you know, extract something from someone's conscious? Well, obviously I would want to tailor it to that person. So that's a hard question for me to answer because I wouldn't want it to be anything from my world. I'd want it to mirror their world. Okay. Say if it was me. And I wanted to extract something from your subconscious? Yeah. I would probably put you where you're, where I would think you'd be most comfortable. I would probably put you um, on a plane back to North Carolina <laughs> and, like, have you, you on a wraparound porch. What are you saying? Drinking sweet tea. And, you I'd know. I would probably put you on a plane back to North Carolina. <laughs> no, no, where you're most comfortable. Where you, where you don't, I am where you not feel, comfortable on a plane. No, you obviously know that for me. No, well, no, that's just it. You have to, you have to unsettle your subject a little bit. Yeah, uh huh, and then make them super comfortable, and then want that to divulge secrets and stuff like that. That but, is a, that that actually happens in this movie. They put the guy on a seven forty seven. Yeah, I know. And it's really important that it's a seven forty seven because it's multi levels, and they can have a whole level to themselves to do all this crazy stuff. This in. is yes, this is very important. So yeah, if I wanted to do that to you, I'd probably put you on a plane to unsettle you and you know kind of throw you off balance, and then you know take you home where you're all comfortable and oh just. Gosh, golly gee, happy to divulge some secrets. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I'm not the architect. I think I'd be better as the forger or be better um, in Leo's capacity. I think I would make you of like a, a Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio land or something. Like a theme park <laughs> totally devoted to Leo. You don't think I, I would think that's weird? <laughs> There'd be a, like a Leo coaster oh, God. and the Leo swings. Wait. And you would be so happy. You would be divulging secrets all over the place. But don't you think I would think it was weird? Don't you think the bell would go off in my head where I'd be like, wait a minute, something's not adding up? No, you would be so excited and so overjoyed in your dream that you'd be like, oh, I'm not even thinking about it. Let's do this, you know? I think I would know something is wrong. I don't think you would. And, I... if, and if you did, I would take you down another level into like super Leonardo DiCaprio land or something. I would want to be outside with lots of trees. I like willow trees a lot. Willow trees, I've had dreams where, where I have willow trees, and it always ends up being good. Willow trees? Yeah. Okay. All right, yeah, cool. Put me with willow trees, and I'm happy. All right, so if I have a Leonardo DiCaprio land with willow trees all throughout well, it. Or just put him under a willow tree, and then I'd be happy. Like, that's all I really need. I'm a simple girl, simple needs. Willow tree and Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow. Maybe some matchsticks. I'm getting really small over here. <laughs> Am I even here? <laughs> Is this a merit? So a merit? Did you 
What? So I married Lee. I mean, a so movie I <laughs> so I married a Leonardo DiCaprio fan. That's your podcast. Leo's on your number one list. Oh wow. It, he's well, you know, every every couple should have that list. Yeah. That that list of this would be okay. There you go. Leo. Leo. My list. Okay. So yeah. So the end. Um, so we should do a spoiler alert and actually talk about the end. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. All right. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the movie, just stop listening now. Stop listening now. And we love you. And talk to us after you see the this movie. This is actually one of those movies that you could actually spoil some of the stuff, and people would not know what you're talking about because it's so complex. Yes, but we're gonna like spoil, spoil it. So let's let's just tell them we love you. Bye bye. And spoilers. Okay. So how far are we going? Uh, well, the Reader's Digest condensed version. Well, this is for people who have seen the movie. If you have not seen the movie, last warning, stop listening. Okay, if you have seen the movie. So you know, obviously, that um, Leo's wife died and that everyone thinks that he killed her when he really, he didn't. She just got so confused between dream world and real world that she killed herself by jumping off of a building because she wanted to go and be in what she perceived to be the real world, which was actually the dream world. But that's, as we learned, it's all the, Leo's fault. That's one of the things, like, I kind of had a problem with Okay, obviously his, her dad, Michael Caine, was doing this stuff. He he was involved somehow in the yeah. whole dream thing. And they did it together. But why did they do it? Why did Leo take her eventually into limbo, which is where she got stuck? Why did they do this in the first place? From what I understand, he didn't take her into limbo where they got stuck. They were... Um, well, they, eventually that's where they... They took a really heavy sedative. But, but why did... So they were just... You know, two young they were kids. messing around. But they have kids. Right. So they were just messing around in this po very possibly dangerous... Well, I don't think they realized how dangerous it could be because also keep in mind that, you know, like they established, five minutes goes by in the real world. It's like, you know, a week in okay. uh, dream time. So they lived a whole life of 50 years together in dreamland. It was They were probably asleep for like 10 hours. Okay. So, so, so at the movie, yeah. at the end of the movie, they... Do, they do Inception on this guy. Right. And... And the, the, in the employer. In very, the very lower, lower level of dreams, he's there with her. Yeah. Played by Mary, yeah, Marion Cotillard. And he ends up being in Sato's limbo. That's what that was. Right. Well, it was she, at the beginning of the movie, the end, it bookended. Yeah. He goes to Sato, and there's that weird conversation between them. And this, this is where I was like, okay, what happened here? It went straight for them talking about, okay, let's go back to when we're young again, blah, blah, blah. And then it instantly went, and they're back on the plane. Yeah. And there's this, you, you don't know if everything's quite right. Because even Leo as a character, he's like looking around. He's like, what happened? How did I make it here? Right. How did he make it from there to there? Well, it's assumed that uh, Sarto, I would assume, shot him or... Shot himself or something because there was the gun on the table and they were both kind of fingering it. Okay, like, so that's how that's how fingering it lovingly. <laughs> fingering it lovingly. Okay, <laughs> they were because when you're that deep, when you're like within a dream, within a dream, within a dream, you can finger lovingly <laughs> handguns all you want. Stop it. When you're that deep, you can finger it lovingly. Just stop. I love that his limbo was. <laughs> he was sitting in the middle of his. Chinese castle eating like oatmeal or whatever he's they eating were. rice with with soy sauce. Yeah, no Leo Leo land for him. He's no no willow tree. He's like really old and he's got his beard going on. I'm like right. I feel so sorry for him. No, but let's talk about the last 
like 30 seconds. So he, um, Sarko makes good on his uh, on his promise that he will get Leo back into the country because we didn't tell you this, but Leo can't go back to the United States because everyone thinks he killed his wife. When really he didn't, but he's thought to have. So he, you know, is, he's on the run. But Sarko's like, hey, guess what? I'll make one phone call and you'll be able to go back home. Nobody's going to think anything of it and it's going to be fine. Did you think that uh, Sato's brains were scrambled? We were like, oh, he's not going to remember. Because at the end, he's like slumped down in his seat and he like wakes up. And I was like, oh, man, his brains are scrambled. He's not going to remember. No, I was just call. like. And he's like. <laughs> he picks up the phone. Hello. No, Hello, I was I'm just Sato. Worried. Please make this happen. I just thought like he's a very powerful man. I thought two things. Well, they didn't show him at first when everyone else was kind of waking up and looking groggy. I was like, oh, did he not wake up? <laughs> Leo and left then, him in, in like yeah, sad land. He's still in a coma. <laughs> and then secondarily, when he picked up the phone, I was like, you better make this freaking quick. They're landing. Like they gotta do this right now. Well, he had the straight like he had the red phone on the plane. Like, he did. He, he could have called the president and be like. Mr. President, I got a new Mr. President. Step aside. Right. It's Leo. So, it's Dom Cobb. So then they get off the plane, and, you know, Leo is kind of nervous, you can tell, but he hands his passport to TSA guy. But did you like, notice... going to get through? But did you notice how Christopher Nolan obviously made it seem like something was not right? Like, everything was, like, bright, and you're like, okay, are they ba- Are they really back in their life? No, I didn't, and now you're blowing my mind. And it was like in slow... You're blowing my mind, Justin! And he goes to the luggage, like, carousel, and everything's like in slow motion, and he sees everyone... It's like he's in heaven. He sees everyone that he's been on the the whole thing, like, everybody in his crew, and they're like, give him the wave, like, you later. Like, he doesn't even talk to them. He just says, later, and he just walks out. Michael Caine's, like, already there waiting for I him. I thought it was weird that Michael Caine was already there. So like, how did Michael Caine so get all back? So all of this adds up to an ending where he eventually goes home and he finally sees his kid who hasn't, he hasn't seen their faces and he wants to see, he's see their faces. been talking again. about seeing their faces, you know, through the, like whole, the whole movie. movie. And, but before he does, he sees their faces, he has, he has his, he has, uh, it's called a totem in the movie, yeah. which is pretty much a, it's like um, a little token that you can, that you are the only person who has ever supposed to touch it that way. You know the weight of it. You know what it can do, what it can't do. That way nobody else can recreate it and put but, it in a dream to make you think that that is reality when it's actually a dream. It's like but, your way of telling dreams from reality. So if you have the totem in your pocket, whether it be a, a dice or whatever, or a little spinny... St- a top. Top thing. You use that to make sure you're not in someone else's dream. Right. Right. Because only you know the real weight of it, the real feel of it, and what it can or can't do. So what happens before he sees his kids, he spins his top on the table and walks to meet them, but... But he's told us earlier in the movie, because when he explains the whole concept of what these little trinkets are and why everyone needs to have one, he says, mine is a top that spins. Uh, And it was my wife's, and when we were in, in a dream, it would just spin continually into infinity. It would never actually topple down. You could spin it, it would just go forever. But when you're in reality, and then he puts it on the table, he spins it, and pop, it falls down. So at the end of the movie, just before he sees his kid, like they call, like he's like, hold on a second, and like he starts spinning it. No, really, he hold on a second, and then Michael Caine. Wait, wait, kids, I know it's been years since I've seen you, but let me spin this. No, because he wanted to check. He really did. I know. I'm just joking. The fact that he's not, you know, running to hug his kids. Right. Well, it wasn't. He was nervous, and it wasn't he who called his kids. It was Michael Caine who was like, James, James, you know, Philippa, come here. 
And so then he was like, uh, and he, you could tell, there was a beat, there was a beat. Like, Dad, I don't have time to spin my top, no. shut up. No, there was a beat, because he had already started spinning it. There was a beat where he, like, looked at the top like he wanted to make sure, like, he wanted to stick around, but, you know, Michael Caine's already calling the kids in, so, and they're turning around, it's that pivotal moment, so he has to go. So he, But they this did turn time, around, he did see their faces. Right, so, so this time he chose to turn around, like, to actually go, and, because and the last time when they were about to turn around, he didn't, he chose to leave. Mm-hmm. So this time he chose to go out to the garden and meet up with them. And but that was within him. a definite dream, while this, you don't know if right. it's, yeah, yeah. what's going on. Yeah. And so then you see him reunite with his children, cathartic moment, yay catharsis, mm-hmm. oh good, it all had a happy ending. But that top is still spinning, isn't it, in the corner? Wait a minute, is that top still, it's going to fall, it has to fall. Mm-hmm. Fall top, fall. Mm-hmm. Why isn't it falling? And then it almost falls and then, like, and then it cuts to yeah, black. Yeah, and then it cuts to black, and it's... I guess you're left to make your own conclusion, but I think the conclusion most of us will draw is that it was a dream and that it never quit spinning, and okay. God damn it, I'm angry. So, do you think just the end was a dream? Because I've heard people think... Or, that the or, whole thing was a dream? The whole thing was a The whole movie was a dream. No. No? No. See, That'd be weird. I mean, because... Think about it. Um, no. No. <laughs> What? I don't want to. You don't want to think about it that way? No. So what are your thoughts? You just th- thought the last scene was a dream? I think so, and I don't know, because I, I don't know how they did it. I would like, because cool, earlier the top falls down, so I, I want to know. But how is it a dream? That would mean that the whole, the... Or that they never got the, out of limbo. They so, never got out of limbo. So that's what you think They never happened? woke up on the plane. Okay. Like, he dreamt that he woke up on the plane. There you go. I think that's... that's Solid. Good. Well, the, the main reason I like it is it's ambiguous and it makes you think. You're like, what what really happened? And I usually hate ambiguous endings. And then it makes you want to go back and watch it a second time, which is yeah. what I did tonight. And it was just as good the second time. Right. And I really, I, I said this so many times, but I really want to read the script. I want to read the script and then go see it a second time. Yeah. I want to read it. I really want to get the intricacies in my head. By the way, um, on the internet, they Yahoo has a comic or a graphic, like short graphic novel, whatever, called Inception the Cobalt Job, which is meant to be kind of like a prologue to the actual movie. But don't you suggest not reading it or watching it until after you've seen I, the movie? I did. You could read it before seeing the movie, but um, it kind of just skims some ideas and theme, or mainly ideas from the movie that are better explained in the movie. Right. So it's, I actually liked it better to watch the movie and then read the comic because the comic actually explains why they're um, in the situation they are in at the beginning of the movie in terms of um, going after this Sato character. Um, and they talk about the Cobol job a lot at the beginning of the movie. That's actually the Cobol job is in the comic. Right. And um, not only that, Lucas Haas, who plays um, the, the first architect yes. guy in the movie... Who's barely like it's like a glorified, com, you know, cameo. cameo. He's barely in the movie, but he's got a bigger role in the comic. Oh, okay. Well, good for well, him. He should have a bigger role in the comic because he was the architect of the. That well, I, I mean, obviously, I know him from, um, you know, well, Witness, and uh, you never seen those movies. But I'm just explaining movies you've cool. never seen. Um, but I was up. like, oh, where'd he go? He's in the comic, so. Alright. Um, so Inception, what grade do you give it on a scale of A to F? Um, I'd probably give it an A. Yeah. Probably? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, other, I than, definitely other than Toy Story 3, which I also loved, like, wholeheartedly, it, it's the only other movie that I've, like, ugh, 
best movie of the year. Yeah. We're gushing over this. We like it a lot. I mean, uh, I don't understand people that kind of kind of rag on that and say you're oh it's too you're you're you know you're too much you're too into this you're hyping it too much i think it's just too cerebral for a lot of people and it goes over their head and but why do people hate that people are overjoyed for a movie especially when again 2010 it's not been a really great movie a great movie year overall people sometimes people aren't movie people haters They're yeah just haters. that you know what you know what those people are but people who like two and a half men two and a half men yeah mm. that's that crowd Generalization Dif- label, I'm just saying. Different strokes for different folks, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely go see this movie like as soon as possible. It's really right. good. Yeah. And and don't let our, our talk of it being cerebral feel make you think that it's like this, oh, this elitist intelligence movie that, you know, just aren't gonna get or aren't gonna like because it's not like it's not like that. You I know it, it helps if you're intelligent, but if you're not <laughs> obviously you're listening to this podcast, so how smart can you be? Um, oh. No, I'm kidding. Obviously, if that was a cut to us, then our you're still podcast love self-esteem it. just went down. Good wah, job. Wah, wah, no, wah. you're still gonna like it. I think you might have to watch it more than a couple times, but you're I still mean, gonna it's, like it's it. basically the best kind of movie. The, the kind of movie that once it ends, you want to talk about it with your friends. Yep. I mean, let's go talk about it with the dogs. Let's talk. Our We've dog- been talking about this for way too long as it is. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. It deserves a longer podcast than normal. So now that you've seen the movie, really quick. Yes. Oscars. For next year. How many? How many do you think that Inception will be nominated for? Eleven. Eleven? Yes. Okay. And so that's Best Picture? Best Picture, it'll probably pick up uh, Best Actor for Leo. I assume it would also pick up um, either Best Supporting for Marion Cotillard. They might try to throw Ellen Page in the lead. They shouldn't, but they might. I'm afraid that they will. Uh, And that would be a mistake because she'll lose. Um... She should be in supporting, but then it'll split the vote. Regardless, it'll pick up a whole bunch of technical ones. Obviously, they'll get directing. It'll get sound for sure. Uh, probably musical score, costumes. Okay, so eleven. Eleven. I, I said twelve to you earlier. This you thought week. thirteen. No, I said twelve. Oh. And you you were very surprised, but now you're not as surprised. I'm not because there's so many technical aspects to it that it'll pick up. It'll sweep the technical awards for sure. But I think it, I think that it'll definitely get best picture. Right. Definitely best director. Right. Writing. Writing. Yes. Best actor Leo. Right. Um, and the other definite in terms of like the non-technical would be uh, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt might have a chance. That'd be nice. I don't know that he will. I think it'd be nice. I would like to him have a chance. I know. Let's hope for him. Hope for him. We're pulling for you, JGL. All right. Cool. So, great movie. Yes. Go see Inception. Pay the $15 per ticket. It's worth it this time. Would you suggest... Does people have to see an IMAX? Not really. No, they don't have to see an IMAX. In fact, I would say if you can, get a little further away from the screen. And, and that's coming from someone who likes to sit up a, a little closer than the norm. Get a little further away from the screen because when you're right up against it, you might be missing some things around the perimeter or around the edges. Yeah, like I was at the money screening. Right, because we were still pretty close even this time. We were like four or five rows back, and I was like, I wish I were back. Might give you years. a headache. That's a lot of, you know, two hours and 40. That's a little long. But you get to bask in Leo's blue eyes. I know. It's mm. like a pool of blueness. I want to go swimming in those eyes. Me too. Oh. All right, we're creepy. You're creepy. <laughs> All right, well, it was fun. All right, yes. See you next week, guys. If you want to check us out, check us up on Twitter. Um, at Justin Winters and at Chris Winters. Or DudeManFat.com. Yes, DudeManPHAT. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. Love you. Bye.